0: From API, this is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day.
1: Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm your host, Jane Van Ryan. Did you know that the U.S. has an estimated 1 trillion barrels of oil in oil shale? With a number that large, interest is growing in America's oil shale deposits as a way to produce more domestic energy. Tony Dammer, an oil shale expert from the U.S. Department of Energy, is in the studio with me today to talk about oil shale's potential. Welcome, Tony.
0: Well, thank you, Jane. It's a pleasure being here.
1: I'm glad you could join us. Very quickly, what is oil shale? How would you define it?
0: The first thing you have to know about oil shale is it really is an oil. It's a kerogen compound that's locked in a marlstone rock, and um, it's a sort of junior cousin of oil shale. If you left it in the ground... Let's say a million years under a lot of pressure, it would eventually turn into oil. So it's a very junior oil, and is one of the components that make it difficult to get.
1: Where is it? Where is it located here in the United States?
0: Uh, the largest resources are located in Colorado, Utah, and Wyoming in the Green River formations. Uh, The east also has quite a bit of oil shale, but it's of lower quality and uh, not as much. In the the west, we estimate that we have about a trillion barrels of oil at 25 gallons per ton grade. Um, In the east, maybe 16 billion barrels. And uh, it's a little bit different compound.
1: Well, that sounds like a very significant amount of oil, but how does it compare to the amount of oil located, say, in the Bakken formation in North Dakota and Montana? or How does it compare to the amount of oil in Saudi Arabia?
0: The oil shale resource in the United States is the largest hydrocarbon resource on Earth. Okay, So there's really no comparison. Saudi Arabia has around 260 billion uh, barrels of oil recoverable. Uh, now that is proved oil, so none of the oil shale is proved in the proved reserves category. Uh, The Bakken shales are not shales. That is conventional oil. Uh, That's oil that's locked in deep formations, uh, generally around 10,000 feet, I believe. And that is estimated to be 4 to 5 billion barrels. So you're really talking about very, very large disparities in the size of oil. I mean, oil shale overshadows all of those.
1: So to compare those is really comparing apples and oranges because also the process to get the stuff out of the shale is very different, I presume.
0: Well, absolutely, and there's no commercial uh, development of oil shale in the United States today. So when you're talking about the Saudi Arabian uh, resource, you're talking about reserves that have been proved to be technically recoverable. None of the oil shale reserves have been proved to be technically recoverable. And in um, the Bakken shales, I think they've produced something in the area of 100 million barrels. I don't know how many barrels they've proved as technically recoverable.
1: So is that why this resource hasn't yet been tapped? People aren't quite sure how to get it out of the rock?
0: I don't think that's really the answer. I think, I think people know how to get it out of the rock. I don't think any of the technologies have been strictly proved. Uh, but we 've just gotten back into the oil shale business in the United States. There was a lot of work done in this area back in the early part of uh well the early nineteen eighties and the late nineteen seventies um, I think what's what 's inhibiting oil shale today uh is uncertainties about the environmental problems, uncertainty about the regulatory problems, and eighty percent of the land is owned by the federal government, so much of the resources on public lands and those public lands are not open to access for oil shale development.
1: If the lands were opened, how would companies go about actually getting the oil out of the rock?
0: Well, there are three primary processes that are used to extract oil shale. Firstly, you need to apply heat to the rock to extract the oil shale. One process is in-situ. That's uh, where you uh, drill um, heating wells and you put the heat directly into the formation underground, and you withdraw the oil uh, through conventional means, through conventional pumping means. The other way is to mine the rock, rubbleize it, and uh, retort it in surface retorts. And these are basically, to put it simply, large kilns that apply heat to the rubbleized rock. The third process is what they call modified in situ. That's where they mine the rock, put it back in the mine, and basically extract the oil shale in the ground.
1: Are all of those viable technologies today? I guess that question really assumes that at today's prices that they also would be commercially viable, meaning that someone who tried to mine the rock or get the oil from the rock would be able to make enough money to make it worth their investment.
0: Well, they have commercial development in Brazil. Uh, They have commercial development in Estonia. Uh, Those are all surface retorts with mining. In the United States, there are no commercial uh, uh, retorts, and there are no commercial sites available, so no.
1: Is it largely because, as you've mentioned, that the oil shale exists on federal lands that are closed to energy companies, or are there other reasons why we're not actively using these resources today?
0: Well, I think the largest inhibitor to development is access to the resource. I think if the federal government opened up federal lands for commercial oil shale leasing, the companies would feel more compelled to go out on the land and develop their resource. You have to remember, the federal government is spending no money, R&D money on oil shale uh, technologies. This is all being done in the private sector. So what the private sector is really looking for is access to the land and some sort of regulatory certainty that they can actually go out and make these investments and develop these resources.
1: Have some environmental concerns been raised that perhaps are influencing the government's decision whether or not to provide access to this oil?
0: There are a lot of environmental um, uh, concerns regarding oil shale development. The two largest are what are we going to do with the CO2, Um, and that's a problem with all fossil fuels right now. Are we going to sequester it or are we going to use it for beneficial use? Uh, The other one is water. In the West, um, these are very dry lands. There is a scarcity of water, and there's a concern, particularly uh, from some of the politicians, uh, that there isn't enough water available. Um, Our feeling about that is is those are very, very good projects for the government to be working on. Um, A lot of these oil shale companies feel uh, that they're net water producers. So then the question becomes, how do you clean the water, and how do you reuse the water? So, you know, there are answers to these questions, but they need to be answered before they move forward. And I think the environmental pro- issues, uh, the regulatory issues, and the access to the land are the three big issues that have to be resolved to really get this industry going.
1: Can they be resolved? Can they be resolved in such a way that you think critics of development or others who have a, a stake? in in this kind of development uh, would actually be satisfied.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think we need to rely on science and technology to solve these problems. I think these these issues are issues that can be solved. Um, I don't think that we can rely on um, rumor and innuendo um, to stop an industry from moving forward. If we find through uh, our technology and our science that it can't be done, in a sustained and environmentally friendly manner, then we won't be able to do it.
1: So in your view, it sounds like you think it's time for the government and for others to take a second look at our oil shale deposits.
0: Well, I think it's past due. I think this is a, um, a commercialization play that's going to take decades. And I think that uh, we're running out of uh, conventional oil in the world. We... we uh, we face a tremendous amount of geopolitical risk. Uh, we, we import uh, a tremendous amount of oil into our economy. So I think the benefits of moving forward on many, many energy fronts, but not to the exclusion of oil shale or tar sands or any of the unconventionals, is foolish policy.
1: But, Tony, there are those who say at some point we have to wean ourselves off oil and that we really ought to be spending more of our – research and development dollars in alternative energies. How do you respond to
0: that? Well, I I respond to that, um, I think we should. I think we should spend uh, our money on those alternatives, but I believe that we're going to need oil for the next several generations, and we need replacement oil. Uh, We import roughly half of our oil today, and as you start carving away on that demand, and the consumption of oil here in the United States, which I think is something we should concentrate on, you're still going to have a massive amount of oil that you're going to have to bring into our economy.
1: So in your view, we need to do it all. We need to focus on conventional sources of oil, on oil shale, on alternatives, renewables, virtually everything?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and. um w- we, you have to remember that oil shale is our largest domestic resource, hydrocarbon resource. The EIA predicts that we're going to consume somewhere in the area of 27 million barrels a day in 2025 and 2030. Um, we're going to be producing about 5 million barrels a day, so there's a huge deficit there. We can be, we would be uh, importing 70, 80 percent of our of our oil demand. So, and the more you can carve away and reduce that consumption or that demand, the better off we're going to be. But we're never going to get to a point where we don't need oil in this country.
1: Tony Dammer, thank you so much for joining us today on Energy Tomorrow Radio.
0: Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org.